Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2020. 22. This is our one of two and a goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers, using the checks and balances that are brilliantly put in place by those who gave their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honors for the blessings we enjoy. Welcome to the broadcast. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A quick recap of yesterday. We had on Dr. Scott Bradley with us. We talked about Joe Biden will create a, quote, new national monument in Nevada. That's what the headline read in the beginning. But then later it says Joe vows protection, but not, quote, monument status for, quote, sacred land. They say he stopped short of designating it as a monument. But, folks, look, we're losing our lives, our liberty, and our property. Why? Well, we need to do the following things if we want to return to stability, says Dr. Scott Bradley. And, boy, howdy, do I agree. Number one, we need to get right with and turn our hearts to God. Number two, we need to understand and apply the founding principles to our nation in the traditions of our founding fathers. Three, we must get active and become involved. And four, we must make our influence known and felt in every way possible. We talked about Tesla and Twitter CEO Elon Musk pledged that he will receive a, quote, brain chip implant from his biotech company, Neuralink. He said that during an event Wednesday night, and then he doubled down on Twitter and confirmed that he's going to do it. I'm telling you right now, folks, Elon Musk is into the eugenics movement and is not your friend. I know he's exposing the Democratic Party and the, uh, you know, how Twitter and everything else, you know, betrayed us all and tampered with the elections, and so he's getting a lot of kudos. But, folks, oftentimes these people want you to believe they're on your side, but I'm warning you, they are not. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, Elon Musk uh, opened up Donald Trump's account, but still won't open up my account. Isn't that interesting? Kanye West is no longer buying Parler. That's what the parent company of Parler said. Billboard honored Kanye West by making him the top artist after he got on Alex Jones' show and, pro- and uh, promoted Adolf Hitler. Alex Jones said, hey, you don't deserve to be called a Nazi. West himself disagreed with Alex on the air and said, hey, Adolf Hitler's a good guy. Everybody brings some good to the table. And Kanye West says we need to stop attacking the Nazis all the time. He actually said dissing the Nazis. Uh, Anyway, there you have that. I I don't even want to get in the middle of all those controversies. I believe we're all God's children. We should behave like it. But I'm telling you, if you think that Yee's your friend, Donald's your friend, Elon Musk is your friend. (laughs) Good luck with all that, folks. They're not all rich for nothing. And they're not all really standing up for liberty. Because why does a Stuart Rhodes get squashed? Why does an Ammon Bundy get squashed? Why do all of our people just get absolutely hammered? Yet these, These guys always somehow come out smelling like a rose. I'll give you a quick example to make the point. Elon Musk says, hey, they use Twitter to shut everybody down before the elections. A literal election fraud. 
But don't worry, it was high-level executives, but Jack Dorsey, he didn't know anything about it, you see. The former CEO of Twitter, by golly, that guy wasn't involved. Uh, uh-huh. So it's always, you know what, high enough level people to make a big scandal, never high enough people for anybody real to go to prison, right? You find out most of these people that are involved will just somehow vanish, and then you'll find out they turn up somewhere else in some very special protected job as government and big tech and who knows what else, media, all kind of you know revolve around the same cursed thugs over and over and over. Don't you be fooled, folks. CSPOA Solution for Rebuilding Trust in the United States Elections, the Value of Political Stability, Personal Responsibility for All Registered Voters. We wrapped up on that document. I've almost got that document completed. It's about ready to be released. Uh, But when we covered it on the air with Dr. Scott Bradley, we made a few revisions uh, in language. And so it's in the final drafts. It's about to be released. Ten guidelines to restoring trust in the United States elections. And boy, howdy. We don't take any prisoners in ours. A lot of people are pointing me to other people who have created such documents, but every one of them has serious failings, uh, in my opinion. Even the John Birch Society one says, yeah, you know, you got to count everything by hand, but then you got to put them into the computers. Why do you need computers at all? Huh? Huh? All right. Welcome to the broadcast. That's a recap of yesterday's show. Today, two hours. Chris Carlson's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Sam. Without God, we cannot lose. With God, we can't. <laughs> Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's. But you and I need to be engaged in that fight, Sam. Lieutenant Carlson, reporting for duty, sir. You want to kick off with a scripture, don't you? Yeah, I always like to kick off with a scripture. That's some pretty safe territory, don't you think? Hey, by the way, Sam, Amen. congratulations on your promotion. Uh, congratulations on your promotion in uh, CSPOA. You are now the uh, proud CEO of that uh, organization. I just wanted to recognize that advancement in your life, and uh, well, thank I know you, we're sir. in good hands as long as you're I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to focus on proud, though. I want to focus on humble, and I hope I do an okay job. That's all. I want to do my very best because I well, absolutely believe in the solutions. You bet. Yeah, and we will start off with it, and I don't want to bore you too much, um, but I will. Um, quote this very brief scripture in Amos 6.1, woe to them that are that are at ease in Zion. And what does that mean? People that have this attitude that God is in charge, and that's something that we're going to develop a little more as we go into this broadcast today. We cannot be at ease. We cannot uh, say, well, God's in charge, so, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do, so I'm just going to sit around and wait for him, you know, to fulfill prophecy, and he'll protect me because I'm a Christian, right? And that attitude is going to is, is why we're in the situation we are in today, Sam, because we as Christians, you know, think that everything depends on God. No, he has given us our free agency. And with that free agency, we need to be his hands and his feet and his brain and bringing forth his purposes here on the earth, because he could very easily destroy the wicked today, as you and I both know. But the reason he doesn't is because that would take from us our sacred agency. That we have been given to prove ourselves in this probationary period in our lives here on this earth to see whether or not we are worthy. And I know that's a hard word for a lot of Christians to swallow if we are worthy to, to return to live in his presence, Sam. Well, and we know that Jesus Christ, you know, we have several examples of this, that we have an agency part in this. We have a role to play 
and things to do. And I'll give you an example of the rich man that came and said, hey, man, I want to buy this ability to do these miracles. Or I want to do this. Or how do I do that? Or, you know, or, the, or the guy that came and said, hey, uh, you know, I've given up everything for this. And the Savior said, well, sell everything that thy hast and then come follow me. And the man couldn't do it. So we know that Jesus Christ asks us to do specific things. And we have a choice to believe and obey or not to believe and to, to go our own way, if you will. Uh, and I bring that up because, look, folks, we got to understand this. Um, when we say that those who are at ease in Zion, you know, a lot of people get confused on the Zion term, too. Um, you know, the evil state of Israel, Zionism and this kind of stuff. It, you can get all wrapped around the actual sideways of what, what we mean. Zion in our vernacular, in this case, just means the pure in heart. Those who want peace among themselves, those who are the peaceful disciples or followers of Christ, are considered, uh, you know, those who want to build Zion. That's not a Zionist community in the tradition of the Jews, or it's not an Israeli state, you know, evil government statement or anything like that. Uh, it's just woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Means those of you who pretend you're following Christ, pretend you want peace, uh, but yet you're not, or those who you know claim you're close to God, but but you're not beware to them the next quote is eternal vigilance is the price of liberty thomas jefferson which i think highlights the very point we're making as well that you know what folks we have to be active and engaged uh, in the things that we um strive for we can't just uh you know profess belief we gotta make our faith whole by our works you know faith without works is dead also says the bible and so we need to act according to our beliefs we need to be congruent in our thoughts and our actions and our beliefs and our hopes and our dreams and our all these things uh, and if we truly are and we put christ at the center of our lives then in my opinion we're you know as, as some would say when it comes to a car we're banging on all cylinders we're ready to go uh, and but when we're incongruent or discruent whatever term you want to use for this you know what we have trouble there's there's flies in the ointment and problems and things like that so we, we've got to work on this in, as individuals and as families. Uh, to further this point, though, there's a few stories that kind of take us in the direction we want to go on, Chris. Yeah, and the, the, the first one that I would like to read is pretty lengthy. It's actually about 12 verses, but I'll, I'll try to condense it down so that I'll we go get ahead to and let it the story. It's about noble. Okay. So a certain nobleman, in this, by the way, is, is found in Doctrine and Covenants. It's uh, scripture from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, just so people know if you don't recognize it. But there are parallels to the Bible. Um, it talks about olive trees, for example, which are very symbolic in the Bible of the 12 tribes of Israel, which we, Sam, you and I, and many of our listeners, are literally descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. So it does apply to us and to Christians uh, in general. Anyway, a certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice. And he said unto his servants, Go unto my vineyard, even upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees. Which again, as I mentioned before, Sam represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And set watchmen round about them, and build a tower, that one may overlook the land round about, to be a watchman upon the tower, that mine olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and take upon themselves the fruit of my vineyard. Basically, you know, watch these trees, take care of them. Uh, keep a watch by day and by night to make sure that nobody comes and destroys these sacred olive trees. <clears throat> and um, as they were going about to build this tower, 
and to build this wall and to build this hedge around about these sacred olive trees that the Lord wants to be protected, they kept saying to themselves, why do we need this tower? In fact, I'll quote directly, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing it is a time of peace? Might not this money be given to exchangers, for there's no need of these things? And while they were at variance one with another, they became very slothful. And that describes America today. A lot of Christians have become slothful and complacent and think that, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, Sam, think that God is going to basically protect and take care of us. That's not, not how God operates. God has given us our faculties, our abilities, our strengths, uh, so that we can be his servants in bringing about his purposes here on earth. Otherwise, we don't learn anything. Anyway, they became very slothful. And to make a, a long story short, um, <clears throat> in their slothful state, Sam, the enemy came upon them at night when they weren't expecting. They didn't have their tower built. They weren't watching for the enemy to come and break down the, the hedge about these olive trees, and the enemy basically destroyed them. And uh, the nobleman, which represents our Heavenly Father, God, said, Ought ye not to have done even as I commanded you? And after ye had planted the vineyard and built the hedge round about and set watchmen upon the walls thereof, built the tower also and set watchmen upon the tower and watched for my vineyard and not have fallen asleep lest the enemy should come upon you. And behold, the watchmen upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was afar off. And of course, that parable relates to us today. Uh, The watchtower is uh, is our looking for people who are destroying the constitutional principles upon which this great Christian nation, and there's a lot of the blood of Israel, going back to that olive tree analogy again, here in this country, and the Lord wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be protected. But if we are not willing to call our enemies out on the violations of our sacred constitution that God has given us to protect us as a Christian society, then our rights, our privileges, our safety will be trampled down as well, Sam. So that's what that um, that parable is all about. And I call upon Christians everywhere within the sound of my voice to wake up, to repent of our sins, and to uphold those principles which God has vouchsafed in the Constitution and in our sacred scriptures as well. They will prove them herewith, ladies and gentlemen. Who's really in charge? The God is in charge syndrome. All right, look, folks, we've got to really understand our relationship here and our responsibilities. We either fall into these categories that we've got to do this, we've got to do that, or else we fall into the other idea that, you know what, God will take care of everything for us, don't worry about it. Or, you know, we have all these different camps we seem to toss ourselves in. Every one of those camps, though, seems to... Uh, be an effort to escape our duty, our responsibility, Chris. Yeah, and I've got another parable. You ready for another parable in connection with what you just said? Yes, sir. God's in charge syndrome. Yeah, and it's a cop-out. And I'll give you an example, and you've probably heard this. Uh, I think we all have heard this. um, I call it a parable. It's one that I've heard people um, repeat many times. Uh, One day, a Christian man was caught in a flood. When the water was up to his porch, a rescue party came along in a boat and invited him to get into the boat before the water rose higher. He said, the Lord will save me. 
An hour later, the water was up to the second floor of this man's house when another rescue party came along in another boat and invited him to get into the boat before the water rose any higher. The Lord will save me, the man persisted. A few hours later, the water was a few feet below the top of his roof when another rescue party came along in a helicopter and invited him to come aboard. No, 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 the Lord will save me, the man continued to insist. Finally, the man was drowned in the flood. When he got to heaven, he asked the Lord why he didn't save him. <laughs> the Lord said, I sent two boats in a helicopter for crying out loud. He probably didn't say for crying out loud, but, you know. So, and then the Lord continued, and he said, what more did you want me to do? And I know that sounds like a kind of a silly analogy, but it's true. A lot of people think that the Lord is going to save them in ways that, that we think the Lord should save us, when in fact, First of all, it's usually not as easy as we would like it to be. It takes a lot of effort on our part, and once we put forth the effort that God has given us the ability to put forth, then he will make up the rest, you know, make it equal to the task. Um, so either we are too proud, too dumb, or too lazy to take advantage of the means which the Lord has given us to save this noble republic. You know, going back to the analogy of... Uh, or to the reality of what we are facing today, which is our country is being taken away from us, Sam. Our freedoms are being stripped, and they're being stripped in a country of a, of 75 to 85 percent Christians. I don't know what the number is today, but I know it's it's up there. It's way above 70 percent. You know how how can Christians sit here and allow abortion to be rampant throughout the land? I live in the state of Utah. Uh, it is very conservative and very Christian in nature, yet to this day, months after Roe versus Wade was overturned in the Supreme Court, Sam, you can still get an abortion in the state of Utah. And we're supposed to be one of the most conservative states in the Union. It's something doesn't add up. You know, we're failing the Lord. We're failing ourselves. We're failing innocent babies who are being killed on a day-to-day basis. So well, it what makes you is, ask who's really in charge, huh? Yeah, who's really in charge. So, yeah, in, as a continuation of this God is in charge syndrome, I say, I believe it is important to understand both what the Lord expects us to do as well as what he does not expect us to do. In the tumult of this chaotic political environment, I hear all the time, Sam, we need to take the House of Representatives, which I guess we did, but we're going to talk a little more about that later when we review um, Joel Skousen's um, end-of-year-world, state-of-the-world um, speech that he gave last night and that I attended. We, you know, we hear, we need to take the House of Representatives. We need to take the Senate. We need to impeach the president. We need to, uh, we need to do this. We need to do that. Well, this we thing, the only problem with that, Sam, is it kind of takes responsibility away from the individual because then when, when we fail, uh, individuals say, well, you know, we will try harder next time. Well, we need to get to the point, Sam, where we realize that there's only one individual in this universe over which we have complete control, and that is ourselves. And there are many things that we can do of ourselves that doesn't rely upon the collective. And I I mentioned, for example, every 730 days, we have the ability to vote in or out our representatives, the representatives in Washington. Well, that's a long time to wait, you know, to affect change. In the meantime, there are many, many things we can do. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go into emergency preparedness, but that's a huge, huge thing. 
but you know, just in passing, we we need to to be prepared. And Joel Skousen talked a lot about that last night. We're going to get into some of the things that he talked about. Um, and then then there is the thing where maybe maybe just maybe uh, we won't completely and totally succeed in bringing about God's purposes in the time and in the way that we think we should. And I give as an example the fact that um, Jesus' 12 apostles that he himself appointed, well, one, first of all, betrayed him, you know, and the other, um, and then when he reappointed uh, a replacement for him, literally 11 of the 12 of Jesus' uh, chosen uh, uh, apostles, I keep calling back to apostles or disciples, literally died violent deaths. Does that mean that Jesus was unsuccessful in his mission to build his church upon this earth? No. So there's a possibility that we will, in the effort of trying to build the Lord's kingdom and restoring constitutional principles, that we will ourselves um, fail to a degree. Or maybe we'll succeed. Ultimately, what we need to realize, Sam, is that it is the outcome of our actions are in God's control. But that doesn't excuse us for not exerting those efforts in in the ways that we can. So um, we have to understand that this life is a test and that we don't necessarily need to succeed in all aspects of it because we do have enemies. They do they are have been uh, allowed to exercise power over us to one degree or another. And some of us literally may perish in the process of defending that which is right. So David and, and Abednar... Perish and or suffers. Before we get to David R. Bednar, perish and, and or yes. suffer. Remember that the Savior took up his cross, gave his life willingly, and was resurrected and lives today. Invites all of us to pick up our cross and follow him, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, the road to liberty, the road to salvation, the road to isn't easy. It isn't carefree. It isn't uh, simple. Uh, it requires a lot of humbling, uh, a lot of trust, a lot of faith, a lot of hope, a lot of courage. Uh, and I want to be very clear about this road. We are promised success, yes, but we oftentimes misappropriate, or whatever you want to say, miscalibrate on what success really means. Success doesn't mean that it'll just be, hey, um, you know, fast living and fun life. Uh, it doesn't mean that it'll be easy. It, it does, what it means when we say success is that, you know what? In the end, God wins. In the end, the Savior Jesus Christ saves. In the end, where our heart is matters. Do we speak of the Lord yeah. but our hearts are far from him? Or do we truly have humble hearts as true disciples uh, of Jesus Christ? And so it's really important that you kind of focus in on what is success. Success is that I leave this life with my faith in Christ intact. Success means I've done my very best to live my life in a Christ-like way, knowing full well that I fall far short, but knowing that he's asked me to be therefore perfect. He's asked me to try hard. He says, come follow me, sell all that you have. Uh, in that one example uh, in the Bible, it may have been literal for that man who met Jesus Christ in person. For you and I, I don't know that it means we got to sell everything we have per se, but I think it means we need to basically quit looking to idols 
quit looking to things that hath no power to save and turn our hearts and our hands to the plow of truly following Jesus Christ to the best of our ability, knowing that we fail, knowing that we need to have greater faith, knowing that we need to repent, knowing that we need to be baptized, knowing that we need to do these things, and then steadily working on it and saying, I know I fall down and scrape my knees. I know it's rough, but I keep getting up. I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, and I'm going to slowly but surely bend my spirit and bend my body to his will, not my will. When we come back, we'll talk about David A. Bednar, uh, a man who gave an incredible talk and who illustrates this in greater detail. We'll do it all in seconds on the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live nationally syndicated talk show. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. The Air Force unveiled its newest stealth bomber aircraft, the B-12 Raider in Palmdale, California. The bomber was named in honor of the, quote, courageous spirit of airmen who carried out the surprise World War II Doolittle Raid. The sixth-generation aircraft is expected to help the Air Force, quote, penetrate the toughest defenses for precision strike anywhere in the world. Six bombers are currently in various stages in final assembly. This marks the first time in more than 30 years a new U.S. bomber has been publicly unveiled. Looks like things are going to be changing with the primary. Tim Berg has the latest. Democrats back the plan put forward by President Biden to allow South Carolina to host the first 2024 primary, followed by Nevada and New Hampshire on the same day, Georgia, then Michigan. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. President Joe Biden and Prince William met at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library in Boston. Ten students at a Van Nuys Middle School in Los Angeles, California, were evacuated for a suspected overdose during the school day. The children were between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. Seven of the ten students were transported to local hospitals. It has not been confirmed yet what, if any, the students may have consumed. But during a press conference, the LAFD stated this. We know people's concern this time of um, day and ages is with fentanyl. This has no indication of being fentanyl related. It's possibly edible cannabis. It's too early to tell. This is USA Radio News. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. Mike Cappell here, serial entrepreneur with words from another happy payroll customer. Very easy to use from the login and the setup was extremely easy. I didn't have to call anyone for help. I was able to do it on my own. And I love the fact that I can run my payroll and print my pay stubs. And then you guys do all of the filing for me. So I get a quarterly report that everything's been filed on my behalf. And then at the end of the year, I can print out my W-2s. So I use you guys 
I tell everybody, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. Why anybody doesn't use y'all, I don't know. Visit us at PatriotSoftware.com. Use promo code RADIO and get two months of payroll free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about who's in charge. Uh, You know, this false God is in charge syndrome literally tries to absolve all of our responsibilities. It's a lie. Now, when we say who's really in charge, we know God's in charge. But we also know what he's asked us to do. And we have a responsibility in that. And this idea uh, that God's in charge and we have nothing to do with it or whatever, what, what hath it to do with me? You know, believe it or not, almost reminds me of A Christmas Carol. And by the way, I went to see a play of The Christmas Carol last night. It was incredible. That's why I couldn't be with Chris to go see Joel Skousen like I wanted to. I had already committed and bought tickets to something else and everything else. But in that A Christmas a Christmas Carol, you know, Scrooge is like, what does that have to do with me? That has nothing to do with me. And uh, you really kind of get an understanding through Scrooge. Eventually, he realizes that it does have to do with him. He has to... Uh, commit himself to God. He has to commit himself to serving others. He has to commit himself to these things. So at the beginning, he's like, what does that have to do with me? Nothing. You know, and, and then later he says, you know what? This all has to do with me. I have an incredible role to play. So we acknowledge God is in charge. But we also say that we have responsibility to follow Christ and to do what he asks us to do. To highlight this, we talk about God's law with a speech or a talk given by a gentleman by the name of David A. Bednar, who is one of the apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and his talk was entitled, We Will Prove Them Herewith. Chris? That's right, yeah. So basically what we're experiencing here on on this uh, uh, mortal existence is a, a probationary period, a test, if you will, Sam. And a test wouldn't be very effective if all the answers were just handed over to us and, and all the effort were just made on somebody else's part. No, that effort and that sacrifice and, and those, uh, those questions need to be put on our shoulders, and we need to exercise some agency and exercise some uh, uncertainty about the results of our actions because sometimes we make mistakes, as you all know, and sometimes we suffer very grave consequences. But that's okay because then we learn and we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we move forward, hopefully avoiding making that mistake in the future. So in his talk um, to the world uh, two years ago and what we refer to in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as General Conference, and anybody can listen to it, um, he says, He who authored the plan of salvation described the very purpose of our mortal probation using the words prove, examine, and try in ancient and modern scripture. And he uses an example from the book of Abraham, which is another uh, scripture from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he says, quote, And we will prove them herewith to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. Unquote. And then he uses another scripture from the book of Psalms, which is in the Bible, um, where uh, David says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, Try my reins in my heart. So implied in these words, Sam, is the fact that the test is not a collective test. It is an individual test. 
So unlike the electoral process, which is a collective uh, process, uh, the Lord expects us to act individually and not collectively because, as I said in uh, the last segment, there's only one person in this universe over which we have complete and total control. And that's ourselves. And we need to recognize that. And, and I want to stop you there. We don't, on... we don't have complete and total control. We have more control over ourselves than anyone else, that's for sure. And we certainly yes. have control over our agency of what we choose to do. That's what separates us from kind of the animals in the animal kingdom, if you will, is we have this principle called agency, intellect, as we are created in the image of God Almighty. We don't have 100% control. And I would point to, for example, Jonah in the Bible to say, you know, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he bailed, but he eventually went to Nineveh. And so, you know, we can control our circumstances. We have our agency. Uh, we can choose what we do, but we cannot choose the consequences a lot of times of what we do. You know, you choose to, to murder babies, uh, and eventually, as a nation, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You can choose to obey God's laws of chastity, of morality, and the consequences of that wonderful action will be trust in you and your spouse uh, and, and, and trust in relationships and trust in that sacred procreative authority God gave to we men and women, male and female, crediting them uh, to populate his earth, uh, multiply and replenish the earth, he replenish. teaches, and that has never been rescinded. So we need to un- kind of understand that we can choose as we will, and we have more control over ourselves than anything else, there's no question, uh, but we don't have ultimate control, though. Things are in God's hands, That's right. uh, and we cannot uh, shirk the consequences, good or bad. You know, you obey God and you have liberty. That's a wonderful blessing consequence. So uh, choices are ours. Consequences oftentimes uh, are not. And, and I highlight that not really to contradict Chris, but to kind of clarify in more detail um, about our responsibility. And with that responsibility, then, we have tremendous obligation to use our agency wisely on this earth to follow Christ. Chris? Exactly. So he goes, exactly. So, yeah, the choices we make, you know, we, we can own those and the consequences then we own. So Bednar, David A. Bednar goes on to say, and the Lord declared in, 19, in 1833 that, quote, therefore, be not afraid of your enemies, for I have decreed in my heart, saith the Lord, that I will prove you in all things, whether you will abide in my covenant, even unto death, that you may be found worthy. Now, notice he didn't say that we would be spared, as you said earlier, Sam, uh, trials and tribulations, pain, suffering, and even death uh, in some cases. But he did say that uh, is, is that even if we would uh, abide in his covenant, even unto death, that we will be found worthy. And that's something that we can look forward to and hope for, maybe not in this earth, you know, especially if we do uh, meet our ultimate faith, faith, which is death, which everybody eventually dies anyway, you know, whether we do it early or late, you know, to me makes no difference. The, what is important is that we are on the covenant path to uh, fulfilling God's expectations of us and building his kingdom. And if we do that and if we continually do that, you know, throughout our lives, then we can have hope of a, of a glorious resurrection and return to live with him in his kingdom eventually. So don't don't sit around and think the Lord is going to do everything for you. We need to be actively engaged in a good cause and bring about much righteousness in and of ourselves because God has given us that power. He's given us an incredible brains that are 
you know, they may not be as fast as computers, but but they have agency. They have the ability to discern between good and evil, and that's something that we need to exercise on a regular basis. Um, so David A. Bednar goes on to give two principles that we must uphold as we enter perilous times. And those two principles are, one, the principle of preparation, and number two, the principle of pressing forward with a steadfastness in Christ. So the, so the principle of preparation is, is upon our shoulders. And I, I believe that it is important that we be prepared. A lot of people that I talk to about preparation, they say, well, you know, I don't even know if I want to live in, in such a chaotic world. You know, maybe it's better that um, I starve to death and just be spared the agony and my family be spared the agony. And I say, well, what if your mission goes beyond that point? What if the Lord has uh, more for you to do to build his kingdom uh, in going into the future, even beyond the chaos that we will be called to endure? You know, you don't want to cut that mission that Heavenly Father has sent you on, on earth here to perform. You don't want to cut that short when you could extend it. And then, of course, the principle of pressing forward with steadfastness in Christ now, that's where we do put our trust in the Lord. And we can't expect that if we've done everything within our power, Sam, and only after we've done everything within our power, that we can expect to see miracles. And God and Jesus Christ can provide those miracles, but not after we've done our part. Now is the time to prepare, ladies and gentlemen, and to prove ourselves willing and able to do all I'm going to repeat that again. All things whatsoever the Lord our God shall command us. This is a critical kind of point to understand, folks, about who we are. These two great principles can guide and strengthen us as we prove ourselves before God Almighty, as we do all that we can do, right? It's important that yep. we understand this. And we have examples, parables that give us guidance on what we are to do, Chris. Yeah, and then here comes another parable. It's This is in the Bible, and this is one that David A. Bednar gives in this talk. Uh, he, he talks about the ten virgins, and I know we've quoted this on air before, but I think it bears repeating. Um, I'll go ahead and quote it word for word if you don't mind, Sam. So this is in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 8, and it reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom carried, they all slumbered and slept. And it sounds like we're going into a break. We shall continue, ladies and gentlemen. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, nationally syndicated, globally distributed talk show, all talking about the sacred cause of liberty, all about God family, and country on your radio. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. 
Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable with Sam Bushman and special guest on Saturday mornings, Chris Carlson. So we were just talking about the parable of the ten virgins and how it ties into our preparation. Um, I would like to review that parable at this time. It can be found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 8, and it reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And I, I write here, notice how that when the time for action started, when the bridegroom came, and it came at an unexpected time, I think it's worthy to note, in the middle of the night. So when, when the time for action started, the time for preparation had ended. It was too late. They went to, to try to <clears throat> buy oil, but when they by the time they got back, the doors were shut. So we now is the time to prepare. Don't squander it. Now, Chris, I want to add something here that people need to understand about the ten virgins. The ten virgins aren't those who are not believers. The ten virgins are not those who who have rejected Christ. 
the ten virgins mm-hmm. are the followers of Christ. Uh, what we're exactly. discussing is how faithful that following really is. And that illustrates the point we're making. A lot of people believe, hey, God's in charge. I don't need to do anything, man. I'm just saved. I, there's nothing for me to do. And my response is, if there's nothing for you to do, then how did some of the virgins get locked out? They didn't do what they were told to do. They didn't obey. They weren't obedient. So we need to understand that when we talk about virgins here, we're not talking about females that have never had sex. We're not, that's not the, the term virgin in this case. Okay, because it relates no. to men and women, first of all. Uh, and I can have eight children, and in this case, still be a virgin. A virgin means someone who is pure in heart. A virgin is someone yeah. who is relatively clean before God, a follower of Christ. But the de- debate now is how much preparation have you done? How much have you, listen, how much have you been proven here with? Now is the time to prepare and prove ourselves willing and able. Two interesting words, willing and able to do not some, not most, all things whatsoever that the Lord our God shall command. Okay, that's the difference in these versions. So they were all literally followers of Christ. But how faithful are we? Are we involved in the principle of preparation enough? And then, listen carefully, are we ready to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ? Because that's the difference in the, in my opinion, the parable of the ten virgins. Once the time for action started, hey, preparation ended. Uh, And you know what? If you're not ready, you're not ready. If you weren't willing and able, and if you weren't focused on all, see, how dedicated are you, Chris? Yeah, and a lot of people say, I like to note at this time, um, a lot of people say, well, that's spiritual preparation. That that parable deals with, you know, people being ready with their testimony strong so that their testimonies can't be shaken, you know, with uh, satanic sophistry. I would say, yes, that's an important aspect of it, but it's also material because if we can't feed our children, you know, we're not going to be able to teach them very many principles. They're going to be starving to death and wondering why uh, their parents you know, failed to prepare materially as well, because those are some of the challenges that we'll be facing, and and our spirituality is not going to be able to fill our bellies. So anyway, I I know that's a sideline. I I I don't think it's a sideline. I think the, 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 the term preparedness is a holistic term, and it doesn't mean just spiritual. It doesn't mean just temporal. It means spiritual. It means temporal, but it also means moral. It also means exercising your faith, making your faith whole by your works faith believe it or not and i gave a talk on this one time you know is faith a a verb or is faith a noun or is faith a what you know what is faith and i submit to you that it's all the above the english people kind of squirm at my my comments Uh, but the fact is debate me okay if it's a if it's a noun if it's a thing faith or whatever okay um what about when you put your faith into action is faith an action word yep if it is, then it's a verb, right? Come on, you English scholars, let's go. Anyway, I've heard this debated until the cows come home, but the point that I'm getting at with this isn't to debate English you know, context. It's really to focus on faith is a very simple but very complicated word. Okay, I believe faith is a belief in something that you can't see. That's right. I have faith in God, for instance. I've never seen him, but I believe he exists. 
I believe he loves me. Faith and trust are kind of mutual terms. But to make my faith whole, it's got to be an action word. I've got to back my faith up, my belief up, my confidence up, my trust in him up with action, obedience to his commandments. So I ask you, you might be an English guy there, Chris. Is it a verb or a noun or what the heck is that part of speech, huh? All the above? Yeah, I'm not educated in all the above. It's a principle of action is what it is. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures, and I think this will answer your question, is Paul, and I can't uh, quote chapter and verse on this, but there's all this debate about, you know, are we saved by faith? Are we saved by works? Well, I think Paul summed it up when he said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Period. End of discussion. It, it, It has to be a principle of action. Otherwise, it's dead in the water. There's no meaning behind it unless it's backed up by action, right? Like you're just saying. So it's how we lives, how we live our lives, I think, that matters. And Alvin R. Dyer, uh, he was a great speaker, uh, a man of great influence as well. And he kind of summed up, in my opinion, our responsibility in a very meaningful way. Chris? I love this quote. Yeah, Alvin R. Dyer, another leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, he's since been deceased. I'm not even sure when he lived. But he says, it's not what we do with our hearts and with every splendid ounce of our strength that counts so much as the things we have been doing every day, whether we feel like it or not. Boom. I couldn't have said it any better, Sam. And yeah, if I, I think give the, important, one the important takeaway before your illustration, when we say with all mm-hmm. of our hearts and with every splendid ounce of our strength, okay, what that means is, folks, you don't have to be perfect. Okay, again, it can seem so daunting you want to give up if you think of it that way. Rather, it's the day-to-day, the little things. You know, you paint a picture one stroke at a time, uh, and you can't really even see the, the what's being painted. It doesn't make any sense until you step back and get the larger or the bigger picture kind of an idea. So we need to understand that, folks, <laughs> it's when I'm tired at the end of the night. Do I remember God, and do I kneel down and pray? in the name of Jesus Christ, and thank him for my life, for my safety, for the blessings, the bounty that I have. When I wake up in the morning, do I remember God again? Do I give him thanks for the peaceful, safe night's rest and that I live again another day to serve him and serve my fellow men? Do I get up and then go about those activities remembering Christ and doing my best um, to be like him, to be in his image in which I'm created? See, do I remember these things in a meaningful way? Or do I just think, hey, Lord, rub it up, dub, thanks for the grub, buddy. And Or do I really, truly have in my heart uh, and in my desires and in my thoughts and in my speech and in my actions? So remember, it's the, the things that we do every day, whether we felt like it or not. And some people say, well, I don't feel like praying. I get it. And you have your agency whether you're going to pray or not when you feel like praying or not. But I submit to you that Satan is the one that can, encourages you not to pray. Christ would say pray always. And so even when we don't feel like praying, do we school our spirits and our bodies and say, you know what? Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to pray. I believe in prayer. I'm asked by my Lord and Savior to pray always. Therefore, I'm going to pray whether I feel like it or not. And sometimes I'm going to pray until I feel like it interesting concepts but this is what we're talking about in our day-to-day lives chris 
Yeah, and that's a good spiritual illustration of that principle. Let me give you a, a, a temporal illustration of that principle. So about 21 years ago, I woke up one day, Sam, and I and I just felt a prompting from, from the Spirit. I, I thought, I better start storing food. This is 21 years ago, Sam. Things were pretty nice back then. We didn't have the transsexual gender movement. We didn't, I mean, we still had abortion, but things were pretty nice politically in our country. We had pretty fair elections. But I woke up and I just felt this prompting. I need to start with my food storage. And I went out and I bought five buckets of honey. And as a little sideline, you know how much I paid for for five buckets of honey? I paid $52 for a five-gallon pail of honey, which today, Sam, would cost you over 365 bucks. Now, that's kind of a sideline, you know, to illustrate how much inflation has eaten up the buying power of our money. Anyway, to make a, 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 a long illustration short, I kept doing that. You know, a month or two later, I'd buy some wheat. I'd buy some rice another year later. And now when this pandemic hit in 2020, when people were starting to think, wait, 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 I might, you know, what what our leaders of, of, of our Christian churches have been telling us for all these years about storing food and being prepared for uh, emergency situations, maybe I should take that seriously. At that point, Sam, I, I accumulated so much food that I didn't even worry about it because I had been prompted uh, at that point 19 years earlier to start the process. And I think that kind of encapsulates the meaning of Alvin R. Dyer's quote. It's not what we do with all our hearts and with every splendid ounce of our strength that counts so much as the things that we've been doing every day, whether we felt like it or not. And my wife, in spite of her her criticisms of me getting all this food. Why do you have, I literally have three quarters of a ton of honey in my basement. I know that sounds crazy. What are you going to do? You'll never eat all that. Um, but now people are starting to realize that, Hey, you know, maybe you'll actually need that. And I, anyway, I, I, I think it's important that we listen to those promptings and that we not just shrug them off and look at things logically, you know, 21 years ago, logically, I should not have been storing food because times were relatively prosperous. Ammon Bundy always asks a very important question. That is this. What are we to do? And my response is you need to promote and follow God, family, and country. You need to embrace these principles that lead to us being on the winning side. We need to have enough faith and enough mojo and enough action to be the ten virgins with enough oil in our lamps. That's what we are to do. And that's what we're all about on Liberty Roundtable Live. LovingLiberty.net, our syndicated network, LibertyRoundtable.com, our talk show page. Check it all out. Share the love. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic. Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for D 
December the 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. To promote God, family, and country, to protect life, liberty, and property, using the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, and the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, that's who we are, that's what we do. We reject revolution. We stand for peace, for restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson in a two-hour bonanza talking about God, family, and country is always on your radio. And, uh, man, we just got a lot to cover, so let's just get straight to it, shall we? Chris, welcome back, sir. Thank you, Sam. Um, you know, you want me to go ahead and start uh, this portion of the show off, Sam? Because I oh. want to talk about naivete. Naivete? I want, There's I want no such thing as naivete. naivete. <laughs> no, that's a French word. I know a lot of French words. Uh, most of them I can't repeat on the radio, though. <laughs> but, All right, but I do know go. the word naivete. Those are uh, French words <laughs> and, uh, I forget, I might add. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that might get you uh, thrown off the, the radio <laughs> if I say those. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I apologize. That's I do have some repentance to do in that area. But anyway, let's talk about um, this attitude that it can't happen here. And that kind of goes along with what we talk about, God's in control. We kind of pawn off our problems to other people or, you know, in the case of, uh, you know, God's in control off on God. And I think we need to quit doing that because it can happen here. Uh, we, we see the wars, you know, happening in the Ukraine and in Yemen and other parts of the, the world. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I don't live over there. But you know what? There is war raging here. And for the most part, it is uh, intellectual and, uh, you know, contained within our minds and in our hearts. But in some cases, there's, there's literal war. There's literal, literal fighting in the streets going on in the United States of America, and it's not getting any better. And I'm going to give you an example. I didn't listen to mainstream radio, but I happened to be listening to this uh, this local radio station. It's very, very popular where I live here in northern Utah. And, uh, and I thought, wow, I've got to talk to Sam about this on his show. And so the headline reads, so I, I went to the podcast, and you know I've had everything written out, and it says, California crime ring forces Utah-based Copaxi to close its doors. So a Utah-based outdoor gear company called Copaxi, I don't know if you've heard of that, Sam, they sell outdoor gear, is closing its doors in San Francisco after one year there. CEO and founder David decision this week citing multiple break-ins by organized theft rings okay in the first week that this uh, individual had opened his store sam the plate glass window was shattered within one week of opening this store in san francisco and the contents of the store were completely looted he stole all of his gear this would happen three subsequent times within a few weeks they would literally they would replace the window and you know the next day it would be broken and all of their goods would be looted Smith then erected a, erected metal gates in front of the windows. This did not solve the problem, however, because criminals would come into the store during business hours in the middle of the day and loot the store. Okay, so he he's came up with another solution. He decided to lock the doors during business hours and only unlock them when people came into the store. However, this didn't work either, as the looters would just hide around the corner and wait for the doors to be unlocked when regular customers would come in and they would do their business. David Smith, David Davis Smith said that the police would do, uh, would not do anything. David Smith then said that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of these incidents. This is a guy from Salt Lake city. 
Um, he, he had a store in Salt Lake City. They didn't have the problem in Salt Lake City, fortunately, because that's just up the street from where I live here. He goes on to say he doesn't think that it's because the city police don't care, but that they are so overwhelmed because of the devastation that has happened over the years. And that's a quote. He said, I don't know how to solve the problem. It's a very, very big problem. So the host, uh, I'll go ahead and mention his name. His name is Boyd Matheson. He's a local host, a very trusted host. He's a Christian. Um, and he claimed, you know, to want to get to the root of this issue. You know, he's very sympathetic with the man. Uh, but you know what? What bothered me as I was listening to this guy is a very cordial, very kind, very uh, courteous talk show host. He never I really identified the root of the problem in my estimation because the root of the problem, Sam, is lack of Christian morality. Now, he talked about values, but he meticulously avoided the use of the word Christian values. He never mentioned Christ or constitutional principles or any of those things that we, you and I said we know are lacking in society and are the cause of a lot of these tragedies that are happening in major cities like San Francisco and Chicago and New York. But There's no doubt, like he, and not only uh, are they Christian principles we need to highlight, but they're family values we need to highlight, too. Remember, the family, ladies and gentlemen, is the fundamental unit of society, okay? And when you don't have family belonging and you don't have a Christian values moral anchor, okay, you don't have the two fundamental keys to a stable, successful, God-ordained society, Okay, if you don't have a tether to God and his commandments and a faith in and a belief of those commandments to obey and you don't have a family belonging, then see, you don't have that stability factor necessary to participate in a civilized society because it's it's a, I'm going to get mine before you get yours mentality. It's that there's no respect for private property. It's that there is no respect for human life or human liberty, okay? These principles all go out the window. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there when you get so base as to jettison God, family. And country is the one uh, in society, if you will, is the one that really suffers the wrath of the lack of God and family, Chris. Yeah, but there's this reticent on the part, and he's a very respectable uh, kind, seemingly kind her. I don't know the guy personally. He's probably a Christian, but there's this reticence on the part of professionals like him in the radio business to mention, even mention the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, because you know what happens, right? You get shut down, you get kicked off, yeah. you're, you're gone. Yeah. Okay. Remember the story that I tell you, which is, you know what? I was told by a very big radio network, Sam, you're a very talented host. Now, I'm not trying to promote who I am. I'm trying to make this other point. But you know what? We, we could really, you know what, make you a rock star talk show host. And I was told this at a, at a huge radio show in Las Vegas for broadcasters. Right on the spot, right on the floor, Sam, I'm ready to ink a contract with you right now, buddy, for big money. But you've got to stop talking about God all the time. And I just said, Tom, he's now passed away, this guy. Tom, I can't do it. If God's out, I'm out, sir. I will not do it. And, and I'll, you know, people are just like, Sam, you're stupid. I don't think so. Well, then I told that story for literally a couple decades. Then at Fox News, Glenn Beck left, and he literally told the same 
story. Folks, understand they call it the Velvet yeah, Hammer. Good, good for Glenn. And I'm telling you right now that, hey, this yeah, guy knows well, where his bread's you, buttered, good for Glenn. sir. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. And, he, you know, we may even be members of the same church. I don't know for certain, but I know okay, I guess, I, can I mention the name of the radio station? Why not? There's, there's no problem with that. KSL. It is the biggest radio station in the state of Utah, and it is owned by the the major religion in the state of Utah as well. That's what bothers me even more. Yet you, if you listen to it, you would never know because they meticulously avoid the mention of Jesus Christ or of God or of the Constitution, all of those things that made this nation great, Sam. It's almost like they go out of their way not to mention them so as not to offend people. Well, that offends me, and it should offend everybody who knows better. So I just thought that that was an interesting story that I would share. And it Amen. Goes on when you say it can't happen here, oh, yes, it can, ladies and gentlemen. And that's well, it, what we want to talk yeah. about today. Now, Joel Skousen did an end-of-year review. If you don't know who Joel Skousen is, he's the creator of WorldAffairsBrief.com, which is a weekly commentary about the world that we live in, uh, and it comes out every Friday. And it basically breaks down the top news articles of the week or news topics of the week. And one unique aspect to it is it's not partisan in any way. Another unique aspect to it is it's not short news blurbs. You know how most talk shows just do a blurb on something and they're gone, or they do a two-minute on something? You know how we expand in great detail on the topics we discuss on the radio today? Well, he does that in a written form. So it's it's really detailed, broken down news with sight, sightings and sources and, and guidelines to gain more information and who said what, when, where, and how. And it is a tremendous, it's one of the best newsletters out there by far. Anyway, if you want to learn more about it, Joel Skousen's worldaffairsbrief.com. But Joel also is a national speaker and an author and everything else. The guy's very multi-talented, dear friend of ours, comes on the radio with us quite frequently. Uh, but Joel Skousen does an end-of-year review that we thought was worthy of discussion. I meant to go to it last night, wanted to, but couldn't, had a conflict. I went and saw the Christmas Carol. But Chris was there, and he's got updates for us, huh, Chris? I was there, and I'm glad that I was there, and I felt God's spirit very strong. Now, let me tell you something that's going to sound very counterintuitive. He began his presentation by saying, I don't have any good news for you folks that have come here tonight. <laughs> And a lot of people would have been offended by that because, you know, they, they want some good news. But he, the thing about Joel Scouts you need to understand, and this does not offend me or concern me in the least, is a pragmatist. And we'll continue on that thread on the other side of the break. Let's just skip the break. How's that? We'll just skip that sucker. There you go. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Chris. You're more important. Joel Scouts okay. is important, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, you know, he began... And he, he, he's been doing this a long week. I get it. Um, but he is a pragmatist, and he is not naive in any sense of that word. And he tells you how he feels about our country, and he shoots straight. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it like some talk show hosts that we just talk about do. But I didn't feel offended or I didn't feel put down or let down in any way, shape, or form. And then the, the last part of his, his uh, talk was very uplifting. We'll get to that when we get to that. But he basically said, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of hope 
that this nation is going to get any better. Uh, it's going to get a lot worse before it's going to get better. But then he did ex- express his you know hope for Jesus Christ becoming uh, in his second coming, and, and you know obviously that's something that we can look forward to and hope for. But he basically said, you know, you better get prepared more so now than any other time and that I've given these addresses, and he, he gives them every year. So it's going to sound a little eclectic, but I'll go ahead and and basically hit uh, the, the salient points that he hit last night. He said there's a statement in the LDS community, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. He said that that's not entirely true. He said that that, that pertained to one's, mostly one's spiritual salvation, not temporal salvation. He said, even those who prepare will require to go through, be, be required to go through trials and tribulations. He talked about how some of his evangelical subscribers claim that they will be spared the seven years of tribulation uh, that they call the rapture. I, mean, I don't know if we've talked about the rapture, uh, and, I, and I hate to, you know, to, to say, speak negatively of other religions, but there's this thing called the rapture, Sam. And I have members of my family, I won't mention them individually, who think that they're going to literally be spared trials and tribulations because they believe in Jesus Christ. And Joel Skousen said that that is not true, <laughs> you know, to put it mildly. Um, even even the good people on this earth, Sam, like you and I and people we know, I'm not trying to elevate myself or anybody else, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, everybody's going to go through some difficult times. And even if you're completely and totally prepared, I mean, there will be loss of the lives of loved ones. And we're not going to be raptured. He said that the rapture will come, this word that's not even mentioned in the Bible, uh, when Christ comes. But before then, uh, we're going to get to a point where Satan has almost complete and total control over the world. So that he got that out of the way at, at the top of his presentation, he talked about um, he talked about the voting. He talked about, um, and he's he's mentioned this in his World Affairs brief. He talked about there will probably uh, never be a meaningful election again in our lifetimes because the system has become so completely and totally controlled by electronic voting machines. He talked about the Edison data, and I, I know you talked about Eric, but he talked about the Edison data how it showed huge vertical spikes in votes for Joe Biden during the 2020 presidential election, which is not normal. Uh, you know, the media was saying, well, you, you see those yeah, so spikes. Let me, let me stop you. So, let me stop you so city. people understand. Eric is a third-party non-governmental system designed in theory to clean up voter rolls. But what it really does is take the roll, voter rolls out of transparency and out of our ability to, to request via grandma requests or FOIA requests Freedom of Information Act request, uh, it takes it out of that realm. And so what they do then is they manipulate the voter rolls without scrutiny this way through ERIC. And many states, about 36 states, are members of ERIC at this time. So you got to get your state out of ERIC, first of all. But this Edison system that you're talking about is an analytics system after the fact that can tap into uh, the voter uh, information and databases, etc., that can show uh, trends and show uh, details. The Edison data is more of an analytics tool on the back end where Eric is a manipulation of voter rolls on the front end. So they have completely different purposes. They're not even associated in any way, Chris. But that's a summary of what they yeah. are. So when you talk about this, people kind of understand. 
So, you know, yeah, I talked about the um, the Edison data and where it shows almost complete vertical spikes in vote counts in favor of Joe Biden during the 2020 election. He said that's that's not normal. Even if you're bringing in huge tranches of votes from like the inner city, it doesn't matter. Those votes are it mixed is normal together for with vote fraud. It's normal as all get out. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yep. And he, he talked about how certain rhino Republicans like um, – he talked about Ron DeSantis. He won a 19-point victory. He talked about um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a very popular uh, Republican conservative, very conservative, and at least a rhetoric from the state of Georgia, how she won handily. And he said, you know, these, these are rhinos. You know, these are, these are reliable Republicans that will switch over to the Democratic side easily if, you know, they're deceived into doing so. But then other uh, Republicans like um, Carrie Lake from Arizona, and he said that, that it was obvious that she was favored over her uh, opponent, um, uh, Kelly, I forget the last name of the Secretary of State there. Anyway, and he also talked about the fact yeah, her name is that Katie. Um, even Katie, yeah, Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs. How, Hobbs. Hobbs, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and he also talked about even even with the uh, polls. The, so the polls even uh, – and the polls, of course, are skewed in favor of Democrats all the time. They always do that. Even based on pre-election polls, it was indicating a red wave, yet there was no significant red wave. He talked about that, and basically I don't, I don't mean to be too long-winded on this topic because you've covered it extensively on your show. He basically said that we are – pretty much done with fair elections in this country, you know, unless we get rid of the machines. And he went into kind of some technical de- details on how we can still have machines counting our votes, but they need to be hardwired and they can't be connected with the internet. And you know all about that. So I won't bore you too much with more of those details. Um, he talked about Ron DeSantis and I think this was important. Um, he's a little bit concerned about Ron DeSantis. He thinks that Ron DeSantis will probably get the nomination over Trump just because Trump is, is, is becoming more like a broken record and because of the vaccine mandates that he supported during his presidency, Operation Warp Speed. He, he thinks that a, a lot of um, Republicans are, are getting um, Donald Trump fatigue. So, but he is concerned about Ron DeSantis for a couple of reasons, and he mentioned those specifically. Number one, he's concerned about Ron DeSantis's political ambitions. And he mentioned how his wife said that she was uh, looking forward to becoming the first lady. And he said, this is, this is not the approach you should take when you're running for elected office. And I agree. You should do it for the benefit of the people. You shouldn't do it you know, for your own self, personal aggrandizement. Number two, he was concerned about the media coverage of Ron DeSantis. And um, he thought that the media was really, obviously, they're not going to say a whole lot positive, but we've talked about this ad nauseum, Sam, it doesn't matter if your coverage is negative or positive. What matters is that you get the coverage in the media. And, you know, conservatives know that negative uh, coverage in the media is a tacit endorsement for them because they know the media is biased. Anyway, so he was concerned about those two things. Uh, he talked about a little bit about Tucker Carlson. He, he thinks that Tucker Carlson is doing a pretty good job. The only flaw and his approach is that Tucker Carlson uh, doesn't understand uh, the the principles of economics. That he's more of a 
a collective economist rather than a free market economist. And he says that, that Fox will never fire him because of the, the ratings that they get from him. And he's true. But I mentioned this is this is my um, insertion. Yeah, they they had pretty good ratings with Judge Andrew Napolitano, but um, you know they still fired him. And I think if they can find a rationalization to get rid of Tucker Carlson, by the way, there's no relation there between me and him. I think if they can find some rationalization, it doesn't care about the ratings or the potential money that they could lose, you know, from losing him in their ratings. I think that they will get rid of him, just like they got rid of Andrew Napolitano. That, that's just my insertion. Um, oh, he talked a lot about the Respect for Marriage Act last night, and uh, I was interested to hear what he said. He talked about how people like Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski, uh, senators from Alaska and, of course, the state of Utah, were were foolishly promoting the respect, he calls it the disrespect, obviously, for Marriage Act because it promotes basically homosexual and other perverted uh, marriage arrangements. Uh, and he he roundly criticized people like Mitt Romney and, and Lisa Murkowski because even though there's a provision in the bill that would pre- protect 501c3 organizations like the church that I belong to and you belong to, Sam, it doesn't protect individuals. It doesn't protect small businesses and other uh, non-501c3 protected organizations. Not only that, he continued and said they could change those provisions in that bill just as easily as they passed this bill. Like a year from now, they could take the protections for 501c3s out of that bill, you know, with the stroke of a pen. And he said how foolish these uh, rhino Republicans who backed the bill because it had that provision in it. And I agree. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, he talked about the war on terror. Go ahead and interject at any point, Sam, if you feel. I know it's kind of eclectic, because, but that's kind of the style that he um, communicates on. He just he kind of goes from topic to topic. He talked about how the war on terror is, it accomplishes two things in terms of the um, – the agenda of of the new world order. He said, one number one, it makes America out to be the bully of the world, which was very effective. And number two, it created a refugee crisis in order to dilute the white population of Europe, and that it did. Um, and he talked about the Maidan revolution in Russia, and he differs with most conservative pundits in that you know a lot of people were citing. Um, the Assistant Secretary of State, uh, Susan, not Susan Collins, I'll think of it in a, min- in a minute, and how it was orchestrated by the Anglo-American axis of the New World Order. And he says he disagrees. He says the Maidan Revolution was actually orchestrated by Russia. And here's how he uh, justified saying that. Uh, the Maidan Revolution, so you had uh, – Yanukovych as the president, and he was a Russian acolyte at the time. So this was 2014. You remember the Maidan Revolution. So he said that Russia actually orchestrated this whole thing to justify invasion then – how long was it? Like seven years later. He said um, that Yanukovych, the president of Ukraine in 1914 at the time, who was presumably ousted by all those – Protesters on in, in the capital of, of uh, the Ukraine, 
uh, Kiev, he talked about he was actually a Russian plant. Are we going to skip the break or we're going to? Nope, got to take this one hard break at the bottom of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, radio stations can uh, need to depend on the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll come back in seconds. Chris Carlson with me. Hard-hitting talk straight ahead on Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. And ended up with a good product, but we still have more work to do, in my view, in terms of ultimately getting paid sick leave, not just for rail workers, but for every worker in America. President Biden's comments as Congress voted to pass a tentative labor agreement and avoid a rail strike, an amendment to add seven days of paid sick leave for railroad workers, failed to pass the Senate. The president signed the bill on Friday. Gas prices are continuing to drop across the country. Gas prices are dropping just in time for the holidays. AAA says Americans are now paying less for gas than before the Russian invasion of Ukraine caused prices to skyrocket. A gallon of regular unleaded is roughly $3.47, the first time since February that it's been below three fifty. The head of petroleum analysis at Gas Buddy says prices may keep going down and could even fall below $3.00. By Christmas. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. Americans are taking home more money. As part of the latest jobs report, the Labor Department says average hourly earnings went up by 18 cents in November. The average wage is now $32.82 an hour. Video of an NFL quarterback possibly being struck by lightning sends the internet into a frenzy. There was quite a scare Friday morning when a video hit social media of former NFL quarterback Drew Brees appearing to get struck by lightning in Venezuela, where he was filming a commercial for an online sports betting app. An ESPN reporter has been in contact with Drew since the shocking video surfaced and says Drew claimed he was not hit. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. The United States men's soccer team plays Netherlands in the knockout round of the World Cup on Saturday. This is USA Radio News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman, it can't happen here, lies. You know what? Joel Skousen breaking it down, uh, his world affairs 
year in review. Not very positive. Pretty much saying, look, we'll never have honest elections again. Sadly, he's right, Chris. Sadly, uh, you know what? What he talks about is real. Uh, and, and I know it's not good news. I also know, though, that he, he provides real solutions. And there is good news and real solutions every time, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Uh, there always is good news in learning to obey your conscience, learning to be spiritual enough to follow Christ, learning to receive guidance from God, to not only receive that guidance, but then take action uh, on that guidance. Chris? Yeah, and that was the bright spot of the presentation. I actually left feeling very good about what was said that night, Sam, last night. Uh, and my, my friend Robert, who, who went with me, and oh, by the way, I was privileged to give the opening prayer last night. I, I thought that that was a, a privilege that uh, that uh, was accorded me. Anyway, I would like to get into, um, he, he talked extensively about conscience and, and about listening to God's spirit. And I would like to end on that note, but I would like to just finish really quick. The Maidan Revolution was a Russian orchestrated coup. Now, a lot of conservative pundits don't understand that or don't believe that, but uh, Joel Skousen believes it very much. He said that uh, President um, Yanukovych, he called it Yanukovych. I call him Yanukovych. I don't know how you pronounce it, but he was uh, decidedly a Russian uh, asset. I mean, he was pro-Russian, and then, of course, he was replaced by uh, Poroshenko, President uh, Pietro Poroshenko. And um, he said that the evidence that he presents that uh, the Maidan Revolution was actually Russian orchestrated was because President uh, Yanukovych actually gave a stand-down order to the Berkut. Now, who's the Berkut? It's the riot police, basically, that surround the capital and were protecting President uh, Yanukovych from the protesters. And then one morning, mysteriously, the Berkut didn't show up for work. And he says, nobody in the media reported that except him. And that was, you know, one of these great media mysteries. Why didn't the media cover that? And of course, the the overthrow of Yanukovych was successful. They replaced him with uh, President Pietro Poroshenko, who was pro-Western. And, be, the, and it may seem counterintuitive that Russia would actually want a pro-Western president to be installed in the Ukraine. But the reasoning behind that, Sam, and listen closely, was because they wanted persecution of like the Donbass region and other Russian-speaking regions. They wanted that persecution because it created a pretext for Russia then to go in and invade Russia later on, which they did. And we're now in the middle of that war at this time. So that was his evidence. Um, I tend to believe what he says, you know, unless there's overwhelming evidence to the contrary. One more thing, and then we'll talk about the spiritual aspect of the meeting last night. He talked about Ronald Reagan. I know he's a sacred cow to a lot of conservatives. He isn't to me, and I don't think he is to you. He said Ronald Reagan made a couple of very key mistakes. Number one, he implemented the largest Social Security tax increase in our history. Number two, he gave amnesty to some three million illegals. And I add to that, he didn't mention this, but I add to that, to that he was deceived by the phony uh, fall of the uh, Soviet Union as well. And what that, what, and he mentioned the fact that because most conservatives felt that the Soviet Union had fallen under the weight of communism that we then opened up greater trade relations with them. They got a, a lot of free uh, grain from us and, and all sorts of goodies, which ben only benefited communism because even today, and this is what Joel Skousen says, even today Russia 
is a communist nation. It, it is a totalitarian nation. If you don't believe me, try to uh, try to own a gun there. You know, try to exercise free speech there. You know, they're really, anyway. I don't mean to go too ad nauseum on the negative, but he did end on a positive note. He said that there, even though that there's a general corruption of judgment, he gave a couple of examples. Like in Montana, apparently they passed a bill this last election cycle that allowed doctors to literally let uh, babies who are born alive, whose mothers did not want them, to literally uh, die on on uh, the medical tables. And the people in the so-called conservative state of Montana passed that uh, referendum, and he said that there's a, just a general corruption of judgment. Um, and he said something else, but he said, you know, individually, we can cultivate uh, an ability to listen to God's spirit. And he, he gave some point. He says it's not not as easy as it sounds. And he gave an example from his youth where he and his brothers were playing in the living room and they were throwing a ball around and they shattered a lamp. And his mother responded by making the rule that you don't throw the ball in the living room. That was the rule to remedy that problem, right? But not to disrespect his mother at all, he said, well, later on when I became a parent, we didn't pass rules like that. What we did is when an incident like that happened, he would sit down with his kids and he would ask him, now, while you were throwing that ball around in the living room, for example, did you get a nervous feeling about what you were doing? And nine times out of ten, their, their children would say, yeah, I did feel a little uncomfortable, and I probably should have heeded that. So instead of just making a bunch of rules to prevent tragedies like a lamp being broken by a ball being thrown around, he said he cultivated in his children at a very early age. And he said as early as three years old, you can cultivate this ability, uh, the ability to listen to that prompting. He, you can call it conscience. You can call it the God spirit. You can call it a gut feeling. There are many names that we refer to it by, but it's basically the spirit of God telling us that either what we're doing is wrong or what we're not doing, we should be doing. And that's another thing he talked about it. And he gave two two pointers on how we can uh, strengthen our ability to be more sensitive to those promptings. He said, number one, when you get that prompting, you need to force yourself to do whatever it's prompting you to do in the case of doing something good, even if you don't feel like it. And number two, uh, don't ignore that prompting or it'll get weaker. Like, I guess they're kind of one and the same, but, you know, and I agree. And ever since he's been and he's been talking about listening to this, this uh, voice of conscience for years and years and years, and he has a story, a, a really interesting story, and I, I'm not prepared to share that, but he, he shared it with, with me here in my own home one time when he gave a fireside about how he lost, he literally lost a, a multi-thousand dollar business deal because he ignored that prompting. And it was it was distinct, but it was very brief. And, even, and I wish I had more details. And he ignored it momentarily and it didn't come back. It only happened once, and he, he emphasized that. It only happened once, and he argued with the Lord, said, Lord, you only prompted me once. You should have prompted me more times than once. Well, that should have been enough. Anyway, I, I'll let him um, – maybe we can share that later on if I can get that story from him. But ever since that day, Sam, he has been very, very sensitive. When he feels a prompting, he acts on it. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't rationalize. He doesn't say, I'll do it later. He does it. So that, and I, I left the building that night 
last night feeling very uplifted because I knew, and I've been working on that um, myself, but, you know, I knew that's something that uh, the Lord gives us so that we can we can be prepared. You know, all the tumult and craziness that we're experiencing politically and socially, you know, the Lord can You've got to develop a relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, learn to hear him and act upon his uh, direction to you as an individual and with your stewardship regarding your family, ladies and gentlemen. It is absolutely critical. I want to turn to a couple of other stories before the end of the hour, Chris. Uh, They say that this Rolling Stone contributing editor, Matt, I think you say his name, Tybee, uh, released details about the censorship of the then October 14th, 2020 report on a laptop Hunter Biden left at a repair store. Um, he basically gave the details on his Twitter account. And at first they said, Hey, that laptop is not reliable. The FBI, uh, they went on and on, but, but Tybee released what Elon Musk referred to as the Twitter files Friday afternoon, detailing how the social media platform, Twitter literally shut down the New York post story about the Hunter Biden laptop. And uh, anyway, the bottom line is they connected this right away to the truth. And uh, the Post stood by their story all along on this. Um, But these Twitter files, ladies and gentlemen, I know you want to believe they're real. And I believe that a lot of the facts in these things are real, okay? But I want you to be very careful with this information. And I'll tell you why. You know what? Uh, Is Matt known as a freedom fighter? Is Matt Bybee guy? I don't know why Elon Musk chose him to be the main guy to release all this. He works and is an editor for Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone is not a conservative group, ladies and gentlemen. And so I appreciate the Twitter files are being released. And I you know, really appreciate how they really dive into some facts here. But if you're not very careful, you're going to get snookered on this. Let's go ahead and skip the break, too, on this, will you? They say the laptop was verified soon after the Daily Caller News Foundation uh, connected they say President Joe Biden, I'm going to take out president and just put Joe Biden, with an executive at the Ukrainian gas company, Burisma, I think is how you say it, with the executive Burisma. thanking the president's son for giving me an opportunity to, quote, meet your father. Okay? So now we literally have evidence of, you know what, Hunter pitched the big guy, his father. And meeting with them, this Biden family, Hunter and Joe, got lucrative contracts. Charlie Hurt at the Washington Times told host Jesse Waters, let's just step back and look what we saw with the censoring of that New York Post story. Was an effort by Twitter companies to trick voters into voting for Joe Biden by suppressing this story. That's the way they treat this thing that's how desperately they wanted to help joe biden get elected and now you say we have no evidence of election fraud we literally have twitter in bed with the fbi okay the fbi met weekly ladies and gentlemen with large social media platforms such as twitter to collaborate on quote moderating moderating content that's according to a deposition now in court that was submitted this week from an FBI supervisory special agent, Elvis Chan, ladies and gentlemen. 
we've uncovered troves of discovery that show a massive censorship enterprise, Schmidt told the Daily Caller News Foundation. Joe Biden's team, listen, President Joe Biden's team literally asked Twitter to delete certain tweets right before the 2020 election, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Think about that now. We have the evidence. Joe Biden, Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, all colluded, met weekly to control content, spiked certain stories saying we are peddling fake news, shut us down, promoted other stories and other people directly to get Joe Biden elected, and we have the proof. But then the mainstream press is just going to run around and say, you have no proof of election fraud. That's where we are in America, Chris. Yeah, and I heard um, the show, Joe Rogan. I try to avoid Joe Joe Rogan because he uses a lot of those French words that we talked about earlier in the show. (laughs) But uh, I I remember when um, Mark Zuckerberg got on his show and admitted as much as you just said. Of course, he he painted it, you know, in a way that made it sound like he was protecting the general public from from uh, fake, fake news, news and all that. Mm-hmm. He called it fake, you know. But he did admit that the FBI contacted Facebook and him. Well, his I don't know if it was him directly, but he, they contacted Facebook and uh, asked them not to publish the information about um, Hunter Biden's laptop. So there's an admission, a recorded admission. I heard it with my own ears. And that is election. Okay, so heads need to roll. Republicans need to stand up. But see, the problem is it's us against the deep state. And there's enough Republicans to willingly tell the truth. But there's also another deep state folks, ladies and gentlemen, who literally are betraying us at the highest level. All right? They wanted to help Joe get elected, and they did it. Okay. The Twitter files will not be enough. So do we have facts in this? Yes. Are the releases from Twitter probably accurate? Yes. But do I trust Elon Musk? And do I trust this Tybee reporter? No, I don't. All right. He's with Rolling Stone, a very liberal magazine. So the real question you got to ask yourselves is, why are they allowing this to happen? I believe it's to create confusion in the nation to where you don't know where to turn. They want to do that more and more and more because they know we're credible they know they're not. But the way they confuse this then is you just get, kind of mix it up. And pretty soon, well, is, is you know Rolling Stone magazine on our side, liberal or conservative? They broke out the truth there. They've been pretty liberal. But, man, now they're standing up. we got to trust them. Uh, man, is Charlie uh, whatever, is uh, Matt Ty- Tybee, is he the good guy? And what about this Chan guy that worked for the FBI that literally said, hey, there's a scandal. We met weekly with um, large social media platforms, Elvis Chan. You know, this guy. I'm telling you right now, it's very strange characters. Beware of Kanye West. Beware of Elon Musk. Beware of Donald Trump. Beware of Ron DeSantis because all these guys have a way of making you believe they're conservative. They're on your side when they're not, folks. Okay, just... Just remember that. Enough said. Again, take it with a grain of salt. But look, if we really have evidence that Joe Biden was in bed with his son and the communist Chinese, 
And we really have evidence that the FBI was in bed with Joe Biden and all these large media companies to literally manipulate the outcome of an election. Why aren't people going to prison? Answer? Yeah. It's all political theater in the news, and nobody big enough to matter will be touched in the deep state. Trust you, me. Enough said. Keep an eye on that ball. I got an interesting story to dovetail with one of Chris Carlson's points on the radio. So as Chris always says, we don't believe in royals. We don't believe in rock stars. We believe that we're all God's children. We're all people. Well, there's an interesting Boston Celtics. We have to make it. All right. (laughs) And Loretta Lynn. And there's a few. Give me one exception. Loretta Lynn, Kid Rock. There's a few. Right. Well, not about kid. Okay, two exceptions: Loretta Lynn and Uncle Ted. Well, and then you got to give an, an exception for my sake. You got to give an exception for, to John Rich too. By the way, of Big and Rich, he's a country okay. singer. All right. Uh, you got to go study him. He's say. a real hero. He stands up to the deep state quite a bit. Does a great job. But anyway, Boston Celtics are in the news, and they're not impressed with royal families. Ryan Miller at KSL.com has the article. Now, here's what's interesting. So I don't know if you know, but there was a Boston Celtics game that took place, Chris. And there was the royal family. Okay? Oh, and they yeah, attended and were sitting, they were sitting courtside, this, this royal family. You'll, it, it's a different royal family than you're thinking. But just listen. And so oh, they were sitting courtside, and, the, and the, coach, the coach walked back and forth, coaching right in front of the royal family. Well, it turns out in this article, then, these reporters thought, man, there's royals in the audience. This is incredible. Let's see what the coach and some of the players had to say about that. So this female reporter asks the coach and then eventually asks the player. Here's the exchange from the coach. A non-basketball question. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Prince and Princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Well, Thank good you. for you. So the coach literally, you, the coach literally shut her down. And he just went, you mean good for him. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus? And she's like, uh, no. <laughs> and, and, and then he's like, well, I'm only familiar with one royal family. And he literally, and so she was just chagrined. So then she goes and asks a player trying to get a different answer. Here it is. Um, I know you guys have played in front of a lot of celebrities, but what was it like to compete in front of royalty tonight? The Prince and Princess of Wales were in the building. Um, It was just a regular game to me. And on the video, she sits there just chagrined. She doesn't even know how to respond. But this rock star player just goes, just a regular game to me. Ladies and gentlemen, this yeah. is the message. Yeah, Jalen Brown is who it was. That's right. Uh, we need to realize this is how we need to behave. We don't believe in royals, folks. I appreciate that they're somehow they're supposed to be better than we are or more talented, more educated, more you know, beautiful, whatever. It's all a lie, ladies and gentlemen. The Founding Fathers busted that myth a couple of hundred years ago. Thank heavens. And I'm so happy with the Celtics' response. Uh, Now, I'm glad that they were there, and I'm glad they got to see a basketball game. That's great. But you know what? I don't believe in royalty. 
Chris, and neither do you. And I know that you and I have talked about this. And so when I saw that story, actually, my son sent me this story. When I saw that, I just went, yeah, they get it, Chris. Well, here's the thing. If that coach had really been in the presence of royalty, they would have emanated uh, radiance from their countenance or given some sort of outward indication that they were special and better than the rest of us. But apparently he didn't notice anything about it. No, he did. And he I noticed that it. Response. Hold on. He noticed it because they had extra security and everything. Yeah, he knew full well the whole time. Yeah. He just doesn't care, Chris. Yeah. Good for him. Well, now, I am now. He, hold on. He cares about I them as in. He cares about them as individuals. Like sure. he said, you know, I'm glad they're, they were at the equal. game and all that. They're individuals. They're God's children. They're important. But the point is, there's nothing quote royalty about them, unless you accept that we're yeah. all royalty because we're all God's children. Now we're talking. But he knew full well the whole time because they had extra security there and everything. He didn't just answer that ignorantly like he didn't notice. He knew full well. And so did the player. Well, I loved his response, although I don't think I would consider Joseph and Mary as members of royalty. I absolutely would consider Jesus Christ and God as royalty. And so I, I do appreciate the response. That was pretty pretty clever on his part, I do admit. And by well, the way, keep in I am mind, now a Boston Celtics but. Keep in mind, it was a response on the spot, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. No, I, I appreciate it. I know where he was, his heart was as far as that's concerned. But, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, he's definitely part of my royalty. You know, he's my king. I will obey him uh, for the rest of eternity. So now I guess I'm going to have to become a – I've been a Utah fan, Utah Jazz fan. They've got a basketball team here. But I'm going to have to convert over to become a Boston fan because I've got something uh, of substance to put my loyalty into. Yeah, and this this uh, reporter, this female reporter was just shocked. She did not know what to say. And when the coach shut her down, <laughs> she kind of laughed and was embarrassed. And she had hoped to go to a player to get a completely different response as you can see, she set it up the second time by saying, hey, you know, I know you've, um, you know, played in front of a lot of celebrities and a lot of important people and everything else. And But, man, this is even up a level from all those people. Uh, wow. How was it to, you know. And he just goes, ah, just another game to me. Yeah. Boom. Well, good for him. Yeah. I mean, so it, you got it two people. You got a player and a coach. Good for them both. Yeah, good. I mean, having grown up in America, hopefully everybody. I mean, I remember growing up, and I don't know if this was the case with you in the public schools. Of course, you were in California. It may have been completely different. But I grew up in the Midwest, and we eschewed the, the whole notion of kings and queens. I mean, it was just – it was in our blood. I don't know if that was inculcated with you going to California schools, but with me it was like, well, the uh, the notion of somebody ruling over another human being, even in our – you know, school, our Midwestern small town school, we, we knew that that was wrong. And uh, right. this I love affair years, with quotes, this love affair with celebrities uh, is a recent phenomenon where we've literally turned to idols, as we've talked about on the program uh, before, Chris. Oh. This is a, a recent phenomenon. Most of us don't believe in royals. Now, I'm grateful they could go. I hope they had a good time. Welcome to America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, by all means. 
You should learn about our values and who we are as a people and welcome to our country. I get that, and I get treating them with kindness, and I get a little bit of extra security if that's what they feel like they need, fine. Uh, but we need to treat them just like everybody else. You know what? And in fact, I think the point should be made by the reporter. I'm grateful we're welcoming royals to the United States where every one of us are royal. We're all children oh, of God. That, that gives us royalty, that. ladies and gentlemen. So you know what? Royals, welcome among 330 million royals. Because I agree. That's you know what? They, we are among royalty, and so are they. And that is the quintessential point the Founding Fathers would make, and I echo that through all history, Chris. Well, that you've even wound up the coach on that one, Sam. Congratulations. That's even a more clever response than I would have come yeah, up with. Yeah, but I've had time yeah, to think about my response <laughs> in, yeah, in, okay. in his defense. Fair enough. But, but I'm telling you, though, look, mind. we should teach the whole world about royalty, shouldn't we? You know what? They are royals, and welcome to the land of the royalty. You've now come to where everyone's royalty. Good. Not only do we have a godly heritage, but we've got an American heritage. We are royalty in multiple sense, ladies and gentlemen. We're the land yeah. of the free, the home of the brave, the greatest country on the face of the earth, because we look to God Almighty, our Father. Not any bureaucratic government or some, you know, whatever royalty. We're all royalty in that sense, and welcome to the land of the royals. There you have it. Uh, all right, wrap it up for us, Chris. We're out of time, sir. Okay, well, as usual, uh, without God, when with God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in that fight, Sam. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving patriots everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. And I want to add, the whole purpose of today is to let you guys know that the best way to prepare is do your part and follow Christ. When we do, wonderful things happen, ladies and gentlemen. And when we don't, it gets rowdy in a hurry. I believe in America. I know God lives. I know that God, family, and country are the solutions to the problems we face. We believe in Christ. And we encourage everyone to turn to him and follow him. After all, he is the author of our liberty. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Two hours of hard-hitting talk in the can. Available at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net and brighteonradio.com. Spread the word, share the love. And we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.